2: Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only.
1: Welcome to our ACO, UFO Press Club, meeting today with Jan Aldrich of Connecticut. He's been working over 50 years, he was 25 years with the U.S. government as far as being in the United States Army and 25 years with the United States Post Office. Now, one thing that he is best known for was getting started as a child in high school at age 16 with NICAP and moving forward into the 1960s. And for the last six weeks, we've been working together to form a UFO association. And we're trying to get down a platform of people of the old guys, so to speak, and the women, ladies and gentlemen, that's worked in the United States of America. My company is American Communications Online. And I have built up T.J. Morris ET Radio for uh, the time of oral reports since June 2012. And I'm very proud that I've kept most of them. I deleted some, including some with Stan Friedman by accident back in the first year when I didn't know what I was doing properly. <laughs> so we've we've learned a lot. And uh, I'm going to call him now because I'm using a direct connect and uh, this way it saves everybody a little money because we're all about being the author of our own life story and we like to save money when we can and help each other out in our new organization now i will tell you that the original concept was me and stanton friedman for those of you that keep up with uh, the old guys And I would like to say that uh, my call and election made sure was all about Ascension Age and bringing those out that wanted to tell their stories knowing that alien civilizations exist. That's what I'm known for, and that's what we do here. So let me dial and see if I can't get uh, Jan online. If so, we're going to continue this production. Hi, this is uh, Teresa J. Morris with T.J. Morris E.T. Radio. Is Jan Aldrich around? This is his sister, Suzanne, right, or Susan? I guess we're on standby. Hello? Hi, are you ready to do the show? We're live and on the air, if you're ready. Sure. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you, Jan. Well, you know what it's like. So I've got ACO UFO Press Club, and today we've got six weeks into this, book one. So this is episode seven uh, for those of you keeping up, and we hope to have you entertained today with educational entertainment with Jan and I. So Jan, uh, any notes or any uh, postscripts from last week that we need to
2: cover? Well, uh, no, I don't. I, I don't think so. Uh, um, I, I, uh, I think we've uh, kind of gone over that several times. Um, okay,
1: where would you like to start today? Whatever you feel like talking about, your friends, uh, confidants, uh, anything to do with the old days—Stanton uh, Friedman, George right. Filer, Mufon, or prior to that, NICAP? and uh we're getting down everything from back uh i guess all the way back to world war two forward
2: and yeah uh, sure um well of course uh i would say you know after i after I returned from overseas and started on project forty seven that was uh that was about a three year um, uh job what i did is uh i started out uh, uh well before i even started i went out to the west coast and uh, uh looked through uh three of the big states for 1947 uh Idaho Washington and Oregon and that was uh that was to demonstrate that there was still lots of material to find after uh, after I put in for the uh, for the uh, grant, I started out uh, in West Virginia. Uh, that was uh, I've already I already had gone to New York and Connecticut and a little bit in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. But uh, after uh, after the grant was issued, I I started out in West Virginia and uh one of the places i visited was uh Clarksville and that's uh, the home of uh Gray Barker's uh files and they were uh very interesting and uh, uh it's a local library that has his files and they were able to uh preserve them they put them in a the, uh A a historical uh, House uh, And uh, took up uh, I'd say about the uh, One of the upper floors in there Uh, He While he was uh, mostly a promoter And he never said that he wasn't anything more than a promoter he, uh, He did collect a large amount of u f o material and uh he had huge amounts of correspondence with everybody you could think of in the u f o field so that's very very uh, uh valuable to go and visit his collection and uh make some copies from things that are there now how uh, did you
1: find out about him? Was he in one of the organizations?
2: Well, I always knew who Gray Barker was, but I didn't I didn't really know that his uh his collection was there. So, uh I just it happened to be going uh to the uh Uni- University of West Virginia, and they mentioned, you know, you ought to stop at uh at Clarksville because of what you're looking for. So, that's what I did. And I think I spent uh Three days there, and I didn't get through everything. There's still plenty to go. And since then, uh, uh, <clears throat> Carl Flock, when he passed away, he uh, also donated his, uh, his material to, uh, to uh, Clarksville uh, Library. So it's, uh, it's now been uh, augmented with other people's collections. So that was
1: a. That's Clark's, Clarksburg Library. Then is what, uh, he's made Gray Barker's uh Gray Barker's made that relatively famous now due to, the Barker collection. That's right. still the home, right? Did you copy a lot out of the out of the uh, Clarksburg Library, of the Gray Barker UFO collection
2: for West well, Virginia? Well, yeah, I did. I did. I I copied some of the. Uh some of the UFO authors that, uh, wrote to him, and, uh, uh, one of my favorite, uh, researchers is Gladys Fiuso, who, uh, uh, she was doing the same thing I did, uh, and she had, uh, she was an air raid warden during the, uh, Second World War, and, uh, uh, she had, a, a UFO sighting uh, while on long island so it was very interesting to get her information about her and all the uh research that she had done and she had, she used to send everything she got to barker so that was uh, that was a valuable uh person that had uh, uh did like some of the rest of us library research and newspaper research and uh she was she was uh real helpful in that the uh the other uh items were things like this uh uh somebody uh somebody said uh barker a uh a uh a novel about meeting extraterrestrials and the answer that Barker sent back is very instructive. He said, I don't want fiction works. He says ah. I want somebody that will get up in on a stage in front of public and say he's been on a UFO and will describe his his trip. He says that's the kind of people I want. Alright. So that was it was interesting, I... like I said, he was a he was he was uh, in, I would say, about the first maybe two years of his getting into UFOs, he was really convinced that there was something there. But later on, he was more or less just, how can we make some money off this uh, interest? And so anything goes. And uh, one of the things they have at the uh, – at the, uh, collection is the uh um the bogey UFO which uh uh Mosley and Barker uh were riding down the road in this uh pickup truck and this guy was he had on a, a string a model of a UFO and he hung it out in front of the uh, pickup truck so it looked like they were going down the road and this uh, thing is, is uh, uh, coming after the pickup truck. And, of course, he, they made a, a film about it. And, and that was called the bogey UFO. And The bogey UFO is in the museum or in the uh, library, so you can see it. Unfortunately, like a lot of things with Mosley and Gray Barker, they were just hoaxes. Um, well, was the, that the
1: S-1 disc? Did you learn about the S-1 disc, or did they call it that? It was something to do with it return to refund on a S-1 disc? Something to do. Was it something to raise money with, maybe? Did you hear about that?
2: No, uh, I don't know about the S-1 disc. The Zurevic. The, the okay. bogey UFO was... Uh, Um, uh, Mosley used that on some of his he used to visit college campuses and speak on UFOs he used that in some of his speeches Um, uh, of course it's the obvious uh, it's an obvious hoax Uh, the other hoax they had which people still believe this is the uh, um, the Strat letter supposedly a letter uh, which was uh, circulated to a number of UFO personalities like uh, Coral Lorenzen and, um, you know, saying, you know, that they, their research had been recognized by the State Department and, and we have all these things and we're interested in, you know, encouraging you. And uh, most everybody threw it in the trash can. But... Uh, Abdamsky used it as a he you know well he uh, the state department recognizes my my work
0: uh, recognizes
2: my my landing thing uh, Well
1: he did write a book didn't he called The Silver Bridge did you get a copy yeah, of it Yeah The
2: Silver Bridge yeah no I I thought you were saying something else I yeah I know about The Silver Bridge yes Okay he had, a, and he had, he had uh, material about um, uh, uh, other West Virginia things, and of course the uh, Flatwood the 19-
0: Monster, or something. Yeah, like the that.
2: Flatwood Monster, nineteen fifty-two. He had a lot of material on that. Was that um,
1: real, or just uh, assumed, or did he have affidavits or statements on that? Yeah, he, had, he,
2: he had all kinds of things. Uh, the the West Virginia newspapers had a lot of material on that. They went out there, they got everybody together, all the uh, supposed witnesses and everything, they got them all together and photographed them and interviewed them, uh, and... Uh, uh, Ivan Sanderson went down there and talked to him uh, yeah,
1: that's an important piece of folk life
2: in yes, our it East is folk life and, society uh, it is a and it it's well known it's a legend down there and um it's uh it, it's part of West virginia folklore the uh,
1: amazing
2: yeah, the bridge is too Of course the bridge collapsed, and supposedly it was foretold in a prophecy. So the mothman prophecy supposedly was foretold the the uh, collapse of the bridge. So that's that's uh, another local uh, legend there. Um,
1: well, is the uh, is that really is uh it says the collapse of the Point Pleasant West Virginia Silver Bridge which killed almost 50 people in 1967, though it does describe the strange events That preceded the collapse, mainly the Mothman, a huge bird-like creature that terrorized the entire Ohio Valley uh, that looked into the uh, old abandoned TNT power plant. Now, did you do anything on the Mothman, or was that too far out? No, no,
2: my my mission was to do 1947, so that was my main mission, but uh, having a chance to uh, visit Barker's collection of course I I tried to avail myself of, of doing that every place I went I tried to do s- uh, other research but the main mission was 1947 the year 1947
1: so. so this would jump forward to 67 20 years later with him and the Mothman which got a lot of attention a lot of people talk about that to this day and then I think there's been even movies or at least documentaries in paranormal yeah world there anyway. is a there
2: is a, uh, a Mothman uh, movie that uh, was made uh I don't think it, it's by a professional say, a Hollywood movie maker it was more like a documentary movie maker the uh the uh, the uh the CIA had released the documents after a lawsuit and uh that you know Barker had been like I say promoting Several hoaxes like the Strat Letter, which I uh just uh didn't finish there. The, the Strat oh, letter became became a, a cause celebra and you know, for the uh uh the uh, contactees. So uh, there was you know, at the time the Government was kind of uh, um, uh talking about enforcing the law that says you know uh making uh, uh fake government documents you can be prosecuted wow, so
1: they were serious in that
2: yeah, they were serious at the time, you know they let every they, they more or less let that go and everybody's you know you've got a a, a sort of a uh, um, uh, a rural uh, industry of making uh, uh phony government documents but at the time when that when the strat letter came out it was uh it was rather uh, it, it was rather serious and there were there was talk about you know trying to find the person that made it and um, uh, prosecute him so Barker, <laughs> barker talked to mosley mosley said look i can get all kinds of government um letterheads because uh, mosley's uh his his father was connected to the uh, to the government and uh they they uh, mosley had money uh, his his parents had money, so he said I could get all kinds of uh, government letterhead on the QT, and we can uh, we can we can uh, um, uh, make other false documents to throw people off the trail. And Barker didn't like that idea. What he did is he took his typewriter, cut it up, and <laughs> hit it in the wall. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so he was he was he was quite a bit scared. So like I said, he he had, he said he was a promoter. He didn't ever say he was anybody else, you know, everybody says, "Oh, this was a great UFO researcher." No, he wasn't. He just uh if something came along that he could promote, he did that. Uh so you're, And when the CIA understand. documents came out, uh That just kind of threw him for a loop, and like the uh, librarian told me there, that 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 was a a watershed moment for him, and he had them, he uh, he got copies of them, and he had them in his collection. And the the librarian said, "This really bothered him, you know, that they were CIA documents." He he you know he had more or less written UFOs off as just a uh, a medium that he could make some money off of, and this thing kind of bothered him. So he was, uh, he was a kind of uh, more or less uh, uh, made him look at, in a different light, and that was, uh, like I say, they're part of the collection down there.
1: Well, who was the Salsarian books.
2: That's him. Uh, that pub- That's him. That's him. Oh, he, he, he he um okay. he uh, uh had uh I would say saucer
1: book. They knew too much about flying saucers.
2: Right. By Jim University Mosey's books. book of flying saucers and uh so he gets all, all kinds of other uh, other books. Uh he was uh, uh uh, a publisher of of these uh of, of strange happenings and he uh uh probably had close to uh uh seventy five to a hundred of these uh, books and sometimes they were little pamphlets but you know he did he did books that's what he, he did. says
1: uh, about the author it says lot Later his firm Saucerian Books published many books in the same subject area. He has contributed UFO articles to many popular magazines including Fate Magazine, Amazing Stories Magazine, Fantastic Universe Magazine and Flying Saucers. So Barker also produces and distributes educational motion picture films and serves as a consultant for a large firm dealing in audiovisual media. He is a freelance he freelances in public relations. So, uh,
2: it's interesting. He worked for the local school board down there, um, in audiovisual.
0: Oh, so he okay. did okay. He
2: did their uh, audiovisual down there. Uh, he was, uh, and like I said, did, he was a publisher and he was, uh,
1: uh Did you get he, to meet uh, him before he passed in
2: 84? Oh, no, no, this is, I, I never met him, but, uh, this was, uh, um, he passed away while I was overseas, so I, I never got to meet him. But uh, this was this was a uh, a first visit to uh, a large um, collection of a person that had been involved from almost the beginning. Uh, he was an investigator for. Uh, 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 Bender down here uh, had the uh, International Flying Saucer uh, <coughs> uh, Society uh, in in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut.
1: Wow, and, I'm looking uh, at some kind of uh, ticket uh, or ben, something. Uh,
2: Barker was the uh, was was his chief investigator. Uh, George Fawcett was an investigator for him. So, uh, uh, like I said in the very beginning, he was very seriously interested in UFOs. Like he said later, he became a more or less a promoter and uh, a thing like that. And so, any
1: well, he went to the UFO conference in 1980. Let's see, is this well, June he 20th? He to
2: dozens and dozens and dozens of UFO conferences. There's, this you know, one there's no says.
1: National UFO Conference, June 20th, 22nd, Doral Inn, New York, New York, and we're pleased to confirm reservations, and he used the name John Mexitopoulos, but when he signed in, he registered with his own name, Gray Barker, and so that's in a PDF for historic reasons now, if anybody's interested. We ought to cut and paste this, I guess, and get this uh, PDF with a copy of his book with a picture of him on the back and a few things. So we just uh, put this in our – I guess I'm going to have to have a hard drive uh, strictly for our UFO association. So it's uh, debunker.com historical gray barker papers PDF. So I just plunked it in off of Google, and it came up, Clarksburg, West Virginia, gray barker. P.O. Box 2228 so interestingly enough uh, what else do you know this guy Prometheus Books he wrote apparently uh, about the UFO verdict examining the evidence due out soon in our uh, Gary Barkers
2: like I said he he published between 75 and 100 UFO paranormal books uh huh Uh, so uh he was he was uh, very uh, uh a big publisher not uh, what like I said, publications, maybe not books. Some some things were, and he had his own little newsletter for a while. Yeah, here's one of oh, the office of the, of the, the director bulletin. So uh
1: Intergalactic or Intercontinental UFO Galactic Spacecraft Research an Analytic Network Inc. <laughs> I've never heard of that, but here it is.
2: So, well, international. He did a UFO lot of Galactic things that were not that group. well known. Um, okay. Some of the more well-known things he done he did with Mosley, and they had a a feud going on for years, uh, name calling and all this other stuff. It was all for fun, though. They were just oh, trying got... to uh, uh, get more leadership. So they had. Uh, they had engaged in a UFO feud, but they, like I said, with the bogey UFO, that was that was uh, a joint venture there, and of course uh, Mosley saying that he would uh, he could uh, make the uh, make the Strat letter go away uh, uh, when uh, Barker died. Mosley came out and uh confessed to the Strat Letter hoax and he said, you know, it was, uh, get a, uh, um, Barker was uh involved and that they had he had he was so scared that he uh he cut up his typewriter and and uh, uh hid it in the wall of a house so uh in case anybody tried to tr- trace it.
0: So was, was that uh,
2: covered
1: that uh, his UFO looks like a UFO consultant? He's got a letter. It says, Dear Gray, Editor-in-Chief of Saucerian. But uh, there's a list of people that says Brinkley won't even touch it. So uh, about UFO, there are certain things that certain people that you may know of. Now listed in some of these letters So this is really interesting To look at I don't know if people would be interested Or not but you've got a lot of stuff In your collections too So right. you, did you collect some of this Gray Barker stuff Yes I did I, like I
2: said I made uh, Copies of many things There uh, 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 he, He'd he written To everybody just about an early Ufology uh, One way or another uh, He he had correspondence with people overseas. Uh uh some of these uh, people uh, revealed uh that they weren't the the best uh, kind of people. Uh for instance, uh uh H, uh, H. T Wilkins was an anti Semite. He didn't he and Barker corresponded for when uh wilkins' book first came out uh uh flying saucers on the attack um and uh, all his letters all of wilkins' letters were anti anti semitic attacking the jews talking about how bad they were um the guy was uh it was uh he he didn't write about u f o s to barker He wrote about how bad the Jews were. Um, So that was uh, that was a a revelation that I really didn't expect to find. So, uh, because Wilkins was very popular in the 50s, he'd written two books, and he had other uh, he wrote for Fate. And several other things, but like I said, every letter that he wrote to Barker, and there were lots of them, was about how bad the Jews were. Not about UFOs at all.
1: Do you know who Morris Jessup
2: was? Yeah, he's an astronomer. He, uh...
1: Okay. He wrote, uh, uh, the case for the UFO
2: and the expanding case for the UFO, and he, he wrote several other things. He was, uh he uh, tried to uh become director of nicap except that uh, uh keo uh, uh sort of opposed him and uh, you know wanted him he wanted himself to be uh director so uh Jessup stepped back but he he re- he wrote two uh I would say uh, six books, yeah okay. uh, and he did have a uh uh one book also had a uh um, what can you say an update uh about a twenty page uh update of things that had happened while the book was at the publisher so uh and he uh he uh actually uh, Jessup uh like I said was an astronomer. He'd supposedly been to South Africa on some material. I have a little bit about him from the University of Michigan. I guess he did some research up there. I think he I think he got his degree from the University of Michigan. Uh, uh Jessup's background. he was really he was really an astronomer. He was an astronomer. Um, you know, some people have said, oh, no, this guy was a kook. No, he was, uh, he maybe had some strange ideas, but he uh, he was a, actually an astronomer. Um, yeah, it
1: says he had a instructor in astronomy and mathematics at the University of Michigan and drank, Drake University, the jacket copy. One of his books notes that Jessup completed a thesis for the doctorate degree in astrophysics At the University of Michigan, though it does not state whether or not he was awarded his actual degree, so these are notes taken by uh, Mister. Is this by Jessup Gray Barker? Okay, this was in the Enigma of M.K. Jessup. He wrote a paper. It looks like right,
2: right. Well, Jessup uh, Jessup fell on hard times, and he started. uh, his only source of income was uh, An astrology co- Column that he did For a while And uh, he was really, Looks like he uh, died
1: in Miami
2: He Looks committed like he died suicide in Miami. Down there Ooh. Ooh. So really He really did uh, Research So he, uh, he, he Like I say he fell on hard times uh, Wow And uh I guess he thought that was the only way out. He uh, he committed suicide. It's, uh, however, by that time he he'd long uh, been out of the UFO field. Uh,
1: now here it says flying saucers, Amherst, Wisconsin. I'm I'm wondering what I'm looking at. The enigma of M.K. Jessup. Was he writing for the people in Wisconsin? Maybe.
2: No, I think that I think that's where flying
1: was, saucers. Uh,
2: Am- that was that was uh, Ray
0: Amherst Palmer.
2: West- all, all Palmer and and Barker were known to collaborate.
0: Okay. All the time.
2: So if it's Amherst, Wisconsin, that's uh, uh, that's Ray Palmer, uh, who founded uh, Fate magazine and. Who wrote on the early stuff? He wrote a book with uh, Kenneth Arnold uh, called "The Coming of the Saucers." So,
1: wow, I didn't know that. I, yeah. I the more the more I talk to you, the more interested I'm getting in the old guys and all the history that you know isn't really listed. You have to go find it and research it. So,
2: yeah, there's a I, the so problem much. with "Coming of the Saucers" is. There's a number of photographs that are in there, and uh, uh, several of them are <clears throat> are real interesting. I'd like to find out more about them, but uh, uh, they only have minimal information in the book. Um, uh, one in the case uh, for
1: the UFO. Uh, Let's see. This is the case for the UFO original hardcover may have caused great official concern when a paperback copy was received by the Office of Naval Research. The case for the UFO... Okay, yeah,
2: that came from uh, that came from uh, Carlos Allende or uh, uh, this is a this is a uh another another one of these uh characters that in the UFO business uh and uh, he just had fantastic stories he was supposedly on a ship that uh uh a uh, UFO went into the water and almost caused the ship to flip over and uh a Lend uh uh, Condon was interested in Allende and he did a lot of research and he's a lot of material about Allende uh, is in his uh, in his files in Condon's files but uh, he, he's just a, he's just a hoaxer and a uh, a uh, con man.
1: So when we find UFO data, we need to make sure wh- who is the author and cite the source so we can know whether or not we're reading in- information, disinformation, or misinformation, or just fairy tales, our stories. Well,
2: you see, the problem with the uh, what's called the viral edition of uh, Lundy's uh, book, I guess, Uh is that supposedly naval intelligence had made notations on the side of the book or Allende had made notations and it it uh, it pointed to some kind of uh, secret in, in UFOs. How many times have we heard that? Oh, I know the secret of UFOs. How many times have we heard that? You know,
0: like maybe <laughs>
2: 2,000. So um, it was... Uh, it had a uh, sort of a following <coughs> in the 50s, and like I say, Condon uh, had correspondence with Olende, um,
1: Ivan uh, T. Sanderson,
2: Carl Carlson, Carlson, Carl. Oh, uh, what the heck? Uh, I I have his name here. He's 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 not really a a uh, Hispanic guy is just used that uh, version of his name uh when he wrote things. Sanderson was uh was a cryptozoologist. He was interested in uh he he went on uh he went on expeditions and he uh uh he collected information on on zoology and things like that. I and mean, he was interested in in UFOs also, and he wrote uh, two books on UFOs, and one of them was the uh, uh, Invisible. Uh, I'm having trouble with it. He he had a rather interesting UFO sighting at the uh, Delaware Water Gap. Uh, if you got the UFO evidence, you can find uh, Sanderson's. Uh, uh, rather uh, detailed sighting in there with the uh uh at the Delaware water gap. Um, so that was uh uh yeah, it looks Anderson like and was like I say interested in, in cryptozoology things like uh uh giant squid you know the, the Kraken oh, yeah. He was interested in, in things like that and
1: so that Flatwood uh, Monster might have fit in more.
0: Yeah, yeah, his...
2: Flatwood Monster, he went down there and investigated that. He spent a lot of time, uh, Sanderson did spend a lot of time down there investigating that case.
1: Says circa 51, however. Uh, no, it was, was
2: September, it... September 52, was the uh, Flatwood Monster.
1: Okay, yeah, then came circa 52, the old Salsarian Magazine, more than your smear editor, Saucer News set a standard for ufology, ufological reporting that had never been equaled in the intervening years.
2: Who this wrote that written. article? That uh, what? Saucer a, what a, smear? Oh well, it says, no uh, James Yeah, Smooley, his, his buddy, his buddy said he wrote that. I mean,
0: <laughs>
2: Parker's stuff yeah, was was not did not. Uh, Rise to that level <laughs> It was rather poor and
1: uh, This is out of Florida Where I'm at down here by Key West But I'm in Gulf Breeze Looks like Fra- well, Florida has uh, been involved Moseley
2: was uh, Moseley, uh Ended his days in, in Key West We okay. went down to uh, interview Moseley, Tom Tullingan and I And he said uh, I don't do Interviews uh, but I, I agreed to do one with you guys. But he said, only on the condition that we all get drunk when we do this interview. Oh, my. So uh, that's what we did. We uh, we got drunk. Uh, and uh, at the time, uh, uh, Mosley was... Uh, had fallen on hard times. I guess the building he lived in at one time was a, a real richy place. and had been subdivided into apartments that he sold off one after another. And he was living in uh, in uh, the last one that he still owned. And uh, it was kind of a, I mean, he had plenty of room there, but like he didn't have a bathroom bathroom was in the kitchen he just pulled a curtain over so uh, he was not uh, at the end uh, while he did come from money and he had inherited a lot of money at the end he was uh, he was in sad financial shape now in 53 he went on Mosley went on a expedition around the country and he didn't um, supposedly to investigate UFOs, but his, his investigations were leave much to be desired. Um, he did, uh, however, he did have a diary that he kept. And Ooh, I found he Barry's and Flock name. wrote a book together about the uh, grave-robbing ufologists. So, Hey, uh,
1: your friend Barry Greenwood is listed here in Saucer Smear. Did you know no that? Doubt.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Really?
1: Really? That's amazing. It's Bill Moore. Uh, right here, folks, I'm looking at this uh, PDF, but it's in the saucer smear. Talk- and We were talking, uh, we're just going over people with Jan Aldrich, if people would like to know who's speaking. Jan Aldrich is a very well-known historian and ufologist, and I'm very fortunate to have made his acquaintance through Dr. Bruce McAbee in our ACO club, uh, Alien Contact Oregon UFO club so uh, it's people In a community and we hope To learn of each other and Jan and I Are just trying to get down a lot of these people that you may Or may not have heard of but uh, Barry Greenwood came on my radio show uh, Through this gentleman Jan Aldrich so I'm really Shocked I'm reading this and then here's Barry Greenwood so I'm
0: like Let's Oh yeah see what of course well, we
2: used to call up uh, Barry all the time and Sometimes cry on his Shoulder about things that were going on
0: he, about he was always
2: speakers. looking for gossip. He had he had oh. what, Sa- saucer smear was the last publication he had. He uh, <clears throat> during the fifties and sixties and into the seventies he had uh, saucer news, which uh, had a pretty good number of subscribers. Uh, he, yeah. I don't think he ever made money on it, but like it's I said, he had money, rag, so huh? it, it didn't matter. It didn't matter because he spent his own money on it.
0: Sounds and, like me. He used to, yeah. Uh, well, right uh, here. he used uh, to.
2: He used to give Keo a hard time and NiCap a hard time. He liked to do that.
0: He liked like to be—he liked to
2: be like the iconic class, and he was sort of the uh, men in black thing too. He liked to—he—he uh, took—he took a—a he took a picture of some guy in a, a dark uh, with a with a uh, a, a black uh, uh, raincoat and a pork pie hat. Which, yeah, in 50s, well, which in the fifties, in the fifties, everybody wore raincoats, those those long raincoats, and and uh, everybody had a pork pie hat uh, until Kennedy got in there, and Kennedy didn't wear hats, so
0: uh,
2: uh, so that ended the uh, the uh, fashion. Everybody had to have a a hat at the time because uh, Kennedy didn't like hats. But uh, Barkley uh, Barker, excuse me, Mosley took a picture of this guy. I mean, it's a rainy day, and he's he's standing on an awning, trying to keep out of the rain. And Mosley said, "Oh, this is a uh, this is a man in black. He's been he's been uh, he's been stalking me." And oh. It was just some some guy That uh, had a Had a raincoat Had a dark raincoat so um, Of course Mosley had a whole bunch of people With him Mosley had a whole bunch of people with him So they all swore to it And that was uh, Mosley's uh, uh, Thing with the men in black And he had a big uh, These people believed him I mean he was he was a jokester, and he liked to he liked to make all these jokes up. And he he was just being halfway serious there when they they all believed him. So he just carried it on in his uh, newsletter and everything about how yeah. I was stalked by the men in black and things like that.
1: Well, we do have those. I've worked with them, and I've been had men around me. Uh, even my daughter commented on the men in black when I was in Hawaii. Because they'd stand up along the side while we swam at Hanoma uh, Bay. Is
2: that the it? has
1: been years ago, I, but,
2: and the, men, my in, the men in black, started with um, with oh, There's Bender. a history. With okay, Bender, t- walk, Bender, talk Bender was uh, Bender was the uh, was the uh, international flying saucer in in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Oh, where you uh, are? He started in 1952. Yeah, he started. So we didn't in have
1: Men in Black before that. So you've done a complete
2: where it shows
1: up and.
2: Uh, well, this the is tail. the first time. This is this, this is this is where the uh, where the the, in legend in the legend starts with Bender. So Bender wrote. Uh, he had this, uh, uh, like I said, UFO organization. It was one of the first. It was international. They had a branch in England and Australia and other places around the world. I think New Zealand and France. Um, uh, he had a pretty big subscriber base. This is 1952 now. Well, and what's so, his first
1: name? You're saying Bender, so I can look him up.
2: Because the oh, Men in Black uh,
1: movie is what we think of Barry
2: Sonnenfeld. Albert.
1: Bender UFO, maybe. Let's see. Bender UFO. Uh, so he was... He, Brian uh, Bender? Huh? Would it be Brian Bender
0: UFO? No.
1: No. No. Bender UFO. But you're saying... Well, let me try Bender UFO Men in Black. How good? M-I-B-U-F-O... B-E-N-D-E-R.
2: So the thing with uh, the Men in Black was that he Albert had, Bender? Yeah.
1: Albert K. Bender, author of the 1962 nonfiction book Flying Saucers and the Three Men, was one of the most influential ufologists of the 1950s and 60s. He served in the United States Army Forces during World War II. Born June 16, 1961. All right. So I would know that uh, Men in Black came. I was – you know, I signed in May tenth, nineteen sixty seven, into my doing my government background or uh, SBI. So Bridgeport, ufology, men in black, Bridgeport. Now, why does Bridgeport get it for Albert K. Bender? So he gets that's credit. Where he, that's where he lived.
2: He lived in Connecticut. Okay, so that's where.
1: Interesting. Now, uh, we don't write up history like this, do we? But we should about the history of where it see, oh,
2: I, I, I think that a lot of people know about Bender.
1: Wikipedia wrote him up, so that's good. Yeah,
2: yeah, but you've got to remember, who writes for Wikipedia? It's a not of you, Why don't you tell was, us everybody? Not, 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 <laughs> not necessarily people that know what they're talking about.
0: Everybody sometimes,
2: it's, sometimes it's very, uh, um, it's like fans and things like that. It, Here's what, uh, Bender uh, started, like I said, an organization in Connecticut. He went international. Uh, uh, Like I say, Barker and uh, um, George Fawcett were both uh, investigators for it. Like I said at the time, I think uh, uh, Barker was uh, serious about UFOs. I think in the early days he thought there was something to it. and of course Fawcett what? Fawcett was uh, uh George Fawcett I've seen a letter from uh Bender to Fawcett cuz uh um uh, uh Bender was uh uh telling Fawcett that he was uh too careless with his uh with his investigations and he wanted him to uh, tighten up his work um, so I think uh, at the be- at the beginning Bender was rather serious about this uh, subject too, and he uh, as he went on there, UFO organizations are hard to run. What do you want to do if you have a UFO organization? You want to investigate cases and find out things about UFOs, but what you have to do is you have to keep subscriber records. Uh, keep your publications going it's a, it's a real pain in the neck Well
1: You and I just need th- to and Talk about all these people
2: <laughs> So here's, uh, here's We're the, making
1: our own UFO association We're the, we're doing the who's who Because Albert K. Bender apparently Started the men in black and I worked in the government And I worked with a lot of men in black So I was a woman uh, in black most of the time
0: But I was approached I, I As a I think
2: that uh, uh, Bender uh, was becoming disenchanted with all the work he had to do just to keep his organization alive and keep his subscribers updated and all these other things that he had to do. Well, what was the name of his group? Let's
1: see. I can look it up. Uh, Flying Saucers
2: uh, International Flying Saucer, uh, something or other.
1: Flying saucers and the three men. I see a book, the
2: UFO buffs. Anyway, it was it went on for two, two uh, into uh, fifty three. Yeah, creepy men and black. In this this was a way to get out of the saucer business. Oh really? He said, "How's you that?" Know, he, I mean, he he's he said in his book he was tired of it. It was it was it was um, uh, sort of. Uh, 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 dragging him down. Aww. And it, so, it what, what? How when do you how do you get out you. of it? Well, you you say that the government told you to stop.
0: Ah. Okay. Uh, it's the all three government. men came and,
2: and and told them to stop. Now, he went to the local newspaper in Bridgeport and talked about that. I mean, it's oh, in the okay. newspaper.
1: Okay. Uh, so he here you go. Yeah, men and he have been
2: told to uh, <laughs> to stop by. Uh, by the uh, by, the three men. Later on in the UFO business, the three men became either government agents or uh, <clears throat> maybe uh, UFO uh, 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 occupants in disguise, and they became almost demonic in some cases.
0: <coughs>
2: and like I said. Mosley uh Mosley took a picture of a guy in a uh, uh, an overcoat and a pork pie hat and he passed that off as a man in black and It was and well, let it was me a tell joke something it was well, let a me joke tell you something. and and Mosley went ahead and said this is
0: he's
2: and his his followers just believed everything he told them they were just they were very gullible and they just went, went right along with him so he He ran with it for all he could.
1: Well, we were covering a story in a weekly – I won't say which one, but I was a reporter for a weekly newspaper article, and it was uh, an important article. And uh, I had just come into town, uh, into this particular town, and uh, some men were walking out of the building where we uh, were getting in our coverage, uh, where we had the computers and the Boards where you cut and paste your newspapers together, and uh, they said we can't run the run this. I said, "What? What are you talking about? I've put all this information, you know, research into." It. Nope, that was FBI. They said we can't run it. I was like, "Are you kidding me? I thought this. You know, we're we're a little weekly newspaper. We're free press, right?" They said, "Not when the FBI comes in, they can run it." So that does happen. They do come in hey, and tell you you yeah, can't but- run things.
2: Yeah, but, but here, not here's the thing. In, Minder, the 50s, right? in the fifties, in the fifties, everybody had an overcoat, a pork <laughs> yeah. pie hat, and they were all dark. They all had dark suits.
0: Now it you look Just look strange. at some of the
2: comedy. <laughs> just some of the comedy. Dennis the Menace. I mean, that's not even in in the fifties. You look at Dennis the Menace. Everybody's dressed up the same way. They all look <laughs> like they're they Back
1: all room look for daddy.
2: Yeah. All those, all those, yeah. um, Father knows best. Look at, look at all, all how these people. That was like a uniform that. Ozzy and Harriet. Middle class.
1: Oh, I remember those days. Sure, we had London fogs.
2: Yeah, Um, yeah. London fog. London fogs and pork pie hats. Yeah. And I, I was, uh, hey, I was in, I was in grade school, and I had a pork pie. <laughs>
0: okay. So I had sure. I had the
2: hat, you know. If we went somewhere, we dressed up. We wore a suit. I I had the hat. I had the hat. Do you have a bow tie
1: or a sin? Did you have a sin or a f- fat tie? I don't know why uh, they used to change them thin, they, uh, fat,
2: medium. A, at the time. I think it was a fat tie. So I had wow. a, a a tie and. Uh, um, uh, I, I went downtown to do something one day, and my mother said, "I don't want you going downtown in jeans. Dress up in a suit." And <laughs> so, so I put on my suit with my hat, and there I am, you know, fifteen years old. I I think I had to uh, go to a doctor's office or something.
0: Ah, she told me well, she, she told to me know, to dress like up.
2: She, she said, "You don't you don't go in your jeans in a." He said, "You, you, uh, you, go well, you didn't
1: back time. then. I remember, yeah. When I had to, I had to get on like a party dress to go to the damn, do- excuse me, the doctor, the darn doctor. You know, back right. in Monroe, Louisiana, in the fifties, you had to wear the big slips and, you know, yeah, yeah, red and or uh, pink
2: or, you know. And, and on Friday night, everybody uh, in uh, I was in Meriden, Connecticut, and Friday night." Everybody went downtown to cash their checks, and they all got dressed up
0: wow, and that's way
2: what, what you did you if you if you were a kid you you uh you might get away with uh not wearing a suit but all the all the adults got dressed up and went in and cashed their checks and went shopping and uh they had money, so they were uh, spending it on something and they went to all the department stores downtown and things. Yeah. yeah, that's a That's a big, that's a big deal. Friday night was a big deal in my hometown at the time in the early 50s. Uh in any case, uh like I say, uh <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that Bender uh tried to uh say, "Hey, this is why I have to quit because the government made me these three men made me stop." Now, when I uh when I was at uh, Swords' once, he said, uh, "He said, uh, well, I think one of the, peop- the three men in black could have been uh, Durant, uh, Frederick Durant, who worked for the CIA. So we went and interviewed, uh, Tom and I went and interviewed Fred Durant. Uh, and he, did, he was working for the CIA at the time, and he was the one that wrote the... Uh, the memo up for the, uh, Robertson panel. And he agreed to an interview and he told us when he got there. Um, no, I just, uh, I'm, uh, he said, uh, I just did a, uh, a, uh, oral history for the CIA. So he says, I know what I can talk about and I know what I can't talk about. And he says, you know, uh, is it okay if I, uh, I uh, take a picture of you guys. So I'm saying to myself, if this isn't CIA, I don't know what is. (laughs) (laughs) He's taking a picture. These these guys tried to contact me about UFOs. That's uh, essentially what he was doing. Uh,
1: Well, uh, he he told us, he said, oh, I'm going
2: to send this to Phil Class. And. He'll maybe use it in his newsletter. No, he never used it in his newsletter. It was for the CIA. We made a contact with a former CIA agent, so they Well, there's
1: always CIA agents
2: involved, and
1: in, you know.
2: Uh, well, that's the, 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 the CIA that, was the, the Robertson panel, where they had the uh, the scientist review the Air Force's data at the uh, in uh, early '53. About well, how the did same they get away with I, being in
1: the country? Because in my day, when I came through, the FBI and the CIA shared offices in the United States of America, but that got reported and changed. They had to get out of America. So that was, let's
2: see, was that the 80s?
1: Yeah, I was at the 90s. Okay, was the 90s, uh, Office of
2: Scientific Intelligence, which uh, uh, Durant worked for, he was a Navy pilot. Uh, he got he got a, a condition that meant that he had to uh, drink fresh milk every day. And He's a navy pilot. Well, you can't be on a carrier and get fresh fresh milk out in the
0: in so the middle kind of, of the condition, Pacific. There's no mind. cows on
2: the aircraft carrier. So bones or what
1: was it? A condition I, I don't skeletal? know. He, uh,
2: he told us that he had to have a, a quart of, of fresh milk every day. Maybe it um, yeah. Sounds so he terrible. said that uh, like a calcium, and he uh, so he couldn't he couldn't be a pilot anymore. So the Navy uh, loaned him to the CIA, and he uh, he became president of the American Rocket Society. And uh, <clears throat> he was uh, at the time he he nobody I don't think anybody knew that he was in the CIA. At the time, because he was president of American Rocket Society, and he would go overseas to all these uh, conferences on rockets and missiles and things. Um, and he, you know, he'd meet the Russians over there, and they'd have uh, some drinks and things. And so he was gathering information on <clears throat> uh, what was going on in the field of rocketry. But, like I said, he was involved in the uh, UFO thing. His uh, boss was Ed Taos.
1: Well, let me ask you a con- controversial question, since you you know all these players back in the day. Do you believe that a lot of the UFO rocketry did use uh, classified, the UFO myth? Uh, no, no, like they, Bill, used, they, they Bill obviously
2: Moore. used German stuff. They use similar the the stuff. The Navy... Uh, was
1: uh, cloak and dagger. They, they, a
2: lot of a lot of the people in the Navy felt that we had defeated the Germans, and so they had nothing to show us, and we could uh, we didn't need to uh, look at that. He, uh, Durant told us there were a lot of people in the Navy that felt that uh, what the uh, what the uh, germans had uh, uh was not uh, worth looking at but the uh and so he said the navy was um they had more people in there that that thought that the, the Russians, the germans had nothing to t- to show us however the uh, army uh and the air force used uh uh used uh, Captured V 2s and uh, and things like that. And of course, when von Braun put up his satellite, that was just a souped up V two. I
0: mean, <laughs> with, a, with an
2: extra stage on it.
1: Oh, so you don't give him any credit? <laughs>
2: what, von Braun? Yeah, I do. The Germans. It
1: looks like Von Braun, doesn't it? B-R-A-U-N, but they say it Brown. I guess it depends on who you're talking to.
2: Werner Von Braun. Yeah, Von Braun was, uh, you know, he he started uh, in the, uh, the, (laughs) I guess, I don't know how far back it goes. I think it may go back to the 20s. He started a rocketry society in Germany. And... uh, so he was in he was in rockets from the very early uh, times. Um there was American another
1: German aerospace engineer. So he was born March twenty third, nineteen twelve in Poland. He was actually Polish.
2: But he actually died well, in Germany. No, Virginia, it was it was, it was German at the time. He was not Polish. He was Well he it was says Werner
1: Magnilian. He was Maximilian born in Fier- he Fier- was born in,
2: in Poland, around. but it, Poland belonged to Germany at the time.
1: Yeah, he developed rocket technology in Germany and a pioneer of rocket and space technology in the United States. Says he's buried in Alexandria, Virginia. Yes. So he he died so, in June sixteenth,
2: nineteen seventy seven. We, looks like we he brought has him and and, uh, and, uh, and a number of his scientists and rocket engineers back to the United States because when Germany yeah. surrendered. <clears throat> we were still fighting the japanese and they had intended to use the uh, the german scientists to uh to upgrade our rocket program and they made something like the v1 that uh uh basically based on the german stuff and uh von braun was down there at um, white sands missile range
0: yeah, and then he went, went to, to uh
2: he went to uh alabama uh, and uh, he he and a number of <laughs> now now uh, Durant being the head of the uh, American Rocket Society uh-huh. uh, as a CIA agent. I mean this is ah. so he knew von Braun and von Braun wrote a paper and they would not let the uh, von Braun leave the United States at the time. He couldn't go anywhere. He was. <clears throat> under close hold. So uh Durant took his uh paper uh to Italy and uh uh read it at the uh International uh Astronautics Society. So uh that's how uh that's uh, one of the things uh Durant did for Von Braun. Now, as far as the uh uh, like I said, Swords asked me to ask Durant, were you one of the three men in black that uh, that went to Bender's? Because somehow Swords got the idea that Durant was one of the uh, guys that went and visited Bender. Ah. So I asked him, and of course he said no. Uh, he didn't know what I was talking about. He wasn't that familiar with um he was he he knew about what happened in in 52 when uh uh what you know when the air force said that but he hadn't kept uh, let's put it this way he had he had only been dipped back into ufos every once in a while in uh, in his capacity at the cia um but he like i said he wrote the memo and, uh, for Ed Taus, who was his boss, he had written, um, papers on, uh, all lightning and Foo Fighters, uh, yeah, before, uh, the CIA, uh, got involved in 52 in the, uh, uh, reinvestigating what the Air Force had done, uh, uh. Taos was interested in UFOs and he he told uh, and Durant worked for Taos so uh, uh, Taos asked him to write papers on uh, on ball lightning and uh, Foo Fighters so he did he told us he did and we tried to get a copy of the Foo Fighter paper Uh, the CIA said they didn't know anything about it which is Car for the course with them. Well, I guess so, you had to
1: know how to get a copy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they so, had people in that group. The case of the UFO was, uh, underground. Uh, what did you, Foo Fighter was a newsletter, or what was it exactly? A magazine? Foo Fighter or... was
2: uh, uh, is cited by the Allied pilots in uh, Germany and Japan and. Actually, all over the world, and they were not just cited by the Americans. Later on, we found out that the, they were reported by the Germans also, and they were a forerunner of uh, uh, UFOs. So,
1: uh, well, you were wanting a Foo Fighter magazine, or what were you, uh, a UFO Guide to Fate magazine? <laughs>
2: Media no, I, I, didn't, I didn't have anything to do with Fate magazine, and I did not have a Foo Fighter magazine. This was... A, uh, what were
1: they asking the CIA for that they, did, they didn't know about?
2: Durant was in they, the CIA. He wrote a uh, paper for, for his boss.
1: Oh, about, now. I got it.
2: Yeah, he wrote a paper for his boss. He also wrote a paper ah. on Paul Lightning. Ah. So, uh, he had uh, he didn't re- remember too much about what was in the paper, but he said, yeah, I, I used uh, Army, Air Force, and uh, uh, Navy uh, material uh, from the Second World War to write his paper. So um, he was, uh, like I said, he did that at the time that uh, that the CIA was... Uh, Investigating the Air Force's uh, UFO project, Project Blue Book, in 1952.
1: Well, so, so this guy Barry Greenwood was around in the 80s. It, that was your time as well.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I came. Uh, you know, I came back in in 94 from overseas. So I met Barry. I think in 90. Yeah, 94. I met him in 94.
1: How did y'all meet? I I know we
2: mentioned it. Once well, we, a long didn't time meet, ago. Uh, we didn't meet. we didn't meet physically. We just met uh, uh somebody said I, I told people I was doing historical research and things. So uh said you should call this guy. He does historical research too. So yeah. I I called him up and uh, we talked and uh, he was telling me some of the things he'd done and I uh, and he he offered to send me some stuff, and so we we talked for a while. And he I said, you know, I've already done that uh, research on that. And we found out that we had already done a lot of the same things.
0: Ah. Uh, so uh,
2: the idea was together. that we yeah. So we we said, okay, well, look, if you find anything new, I'll send it to you. You find anything new, you send it to me. And that way. Uh, if if something gets lost, we'll have a copy at another place. So that's what we started to do. So that what? we've been doing that for almost um, 25, 30 years now.
1: And oh. now with all this, by two gentlemen, and there's gentlemen all over the world with their own history of uh, doing this type of work as ufologists, historians, researchers. You know, and what is all this, we hope it's going to be put somewhere, but we don't really know yet where the big UFO, I'm calling it the UFO Association, but, you know, not being skeptical, but being, I don't know, I'm trying to be unbiased and and unopinionated and nonpartisan about all this, but I have had my own near-death and my own UFO experiences, so I don't know how that's going to work, because people get poo-pooed on that have had anything to do with this, but I'm, trying to be objective with you and listen and ask the right questions when I can. But what do you think all this is going to mean? Because we want this to have uh, credence for information disclosure with all these groups that have been around forever. It seems at least since food fighters. And he was there with, uh, I'd like you to tell me what you know about this bill Moore, because his name's with Barry Greenwoods and some of this gray, Barker, is that his name? Bob Gray. Dear Gray. I can't think of his last name. Barker. I thought, okay, so that's all right. So at this particular time, you guys did come together doing all this stuff and met in 97, then? Is that when you met him? 94.
2: 94. All right, so 94. I mean, even talked to him in 93.
1: All right, but you haven't physically met until only recently in Chicago. Oh yeah, we we, uh,
2: we met several times, but uh, at the time we didn't we didn't uh, meet uh, when I started going around the country. Uh, um,
1: on your project?
2: Yeah, on my project, I uh, I met him towards the end of the project. So, well, he apparently years, was
1: some type huh? of speaker. And for a New York, uh, a speaker because he was on with uh, Bill Moore and uh, some other people that you would know. That, their names that must probably. have been a
2: one-time thing. Um, uh, he's kind of like me. He doesn't uh, he doesn't do that Bud many Hopkins. speaking occasions. He did write uh, <clears throat> uh, Clear Intent with uh, Larry Fawcett, who is a uh, retired police officer. He wrote *Clear Intent*, which is, uh, um, I think, was a. If it wasn't a bestseller, it was the next thing to a bestseller. So <clears throat> there's all kinds of copies running around. Um, there's probably the uh, a really uh, broad look at uh, government. Is probably one of the best and first. Uh, looks at the government uh, involvement in the UFO field, uh, all, uh, a lot of different offices within the government. Uh, so he was—he uh, had found the first official Foo Fighter documents at the archives, and that's, look, the Foo Fighters were reported in the 40s, and uh, nobody had found, now there had been a few documents that had come out, more or less, but uh, he he was the first one to find official documents in the archives of Foo Fighters, and that was in 1994. Look at that. That's, that's almost 50 years after they've been reported, and
1: so, nobody could history- find them
2: he found them.
1: Ah, there you go. That's a good way to get known among researchers is find something that everybody's been looking for. That's like an Indiana Jones story.
2: (laughs) Well, they did a lot of... uh, If you... Clear intent is... uh, You know, I would say clear intent is required reading for anybody that's interested in UFOs. All
1: right, by Barry Greenwood. It says... uh, Barry
2: Here's Greenwood something. and uh, Larry Fawcett. Helen Wills, Nardid
1: Rockstar, our UFO Larry Warren, Wheels and Warren. I'm reading this. Uh, it's really a long typed record, uh, but where Barry's name is. And it is uh, Gray Roscoe Barker's Saucer Smear. So this is down, let's see, page one, page two. Saucer Smear, page three, maybe. Let's see, where did I just see? His name Is it down on page 4 Re-
2: Remember I'm looking I, for I, Bar- I, Barry's I, name. I said that, uh, that Mosley uh, Knew Barry and he used to call Barry all the time and look for Little tidbits And um, uh, Cry on his shoulder About somebody said something bad About him Mosley was Uh he was looking for material for his uh, Saucer Spear magazine.
1: All right, this is. And speaking of conventions, we had to miss the second annual SBI convention on Staten Island, New York, last November 4th. Why it was held just two days before the presidential election, we do not know. But we do know that Geraldine Ferraro, who was rumored to be an intended attendee, did not show up. Narded rock star Helen Wills, our UFO cider Larry Warren. Wills and Warren were listed. Ferrara was not. And uh, another missing element was a movie film that purported to show UFO over a New Jersey turnpike. Among the speakers who did participate were, now this, this is history, Larry Fawcett, Barry Greenwood, Bud Hopkins, Philip Imbrogno, Antonio Junius, and of course Pete Mazzola. Who was head of the SBI with a sponsor of the event. About two hundred and fifty members showed up. The public showed up in spite of the difficult to reach location and the hall had to be almost full among the non attendees. we don't need we need to know that. So there you go. So Larry was on stage apparently at the same time Bud Hopkins was, Larry Fawcett. So he was a speaker at the UFO. Yeah, conference. yeah. They were
2: uh uh, SBI was uh, it was it was a, also a, uh, an organization that tried to do historical and government research. So uh, uh, yeah, they were they were sort of uh, allies and everything. Uh,
0: ah, okay.
2: Now, and, Bill uh, Moore. It was a short-lived uh, organization. I I don't think it was no more than three or four years. Then they published a a bulletin. Um, I can't remember what SBI stood for. Special uh, SBI Bureau of Investigation, something like that. Oh,
0: okay. Um,
2: well uh, I see they Bill has, Moore, I mean, they Thomas did Gates They did do good stuff. On. They did do do good stuff. They uh 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 they found an okay. article by, by Sergeant Ed Clark, who uh, who was a, a writer for Stars and Stripes during the war, and uh, uh, it was uh, it was a World War Two thing about Foo Fighters that uh, that uh, SBI found. It was a, it was a good article. It was, nobody had seen it. It was in Stars and Stripes. <clears throat> we found out later that. Uh, Sergeant Clark uh, on Christmas Eve in 1944 went up with one of the night fighters from a base in uh, in uh, France, the 415th Night Fighter Squadron, and uh, on that night he, uh, he saw a Foo Fighter himself. So, uh, and he couldn't. He he wrote about his going up with the uh, night fighters and uh, his experience, but he, he they wouldn't let him write about uh, the foo fighter. So <clears throat> he didn't write about it till 1950 after he was out of the army. Uh, but uh, like I said, at the time he did write a article about foo fighters uh, and the 415th and how. Uh, they were hoping that because uh, they were they, they sent some kind of uh, scientists to go question the four fifteenth pilots, and the uh, pilots were hoping that uh, that their reports were being taken seriously, and uh, uh, so that uh, Ed Clark wrote uh, like I said wrote up about that. Uh, He didn't write about his own experience until 1950 uh, when he was out of the Army, and he was writing uh, for a newspaper in Hawaii.
1: Well, the next uh, page talks about uh, Gray Barker, uh, the editor uh, in West Virginia, and whenever it fitted, mutual schedules. On a particular occasion, in 57, a young friend of Barker's relative high in government had provided Barker with a packet of genuine official stationery from various government agencies. Now, this is a guy, I guess his friend still. To the best of present recollection, through the mist of time, Barker and I wrote not only one but seven naughty letters emboldened by the evil of alcohol and fully enjoying hilarity. To throw a long-term confusion into the UFO field. Of the seven letters, only one signed R. E. Strath in deference to R. E. Palmer, achieved immortality. One of the others went to Carl Lorenzen of APRO. Another went to Laurie Mundo, a longtime Preadomsky researcher. Still another went to Inner Circle of the Old Civilian Saucer Intelligence of New York, CSI, Isabel Davis, Ted Blocher, and Lex Maybane. They're to the seven that we can't remember anything about at this stage, but were written on a different, genuine letterhead. So they were
2: trying to throw uh, smoke bombs. Why would, I wonder why they would because do Because that. that's, that's the kind of people they were. They were not serious. They were not serious. Like I said, Gray Barker was only serious for the first his first two years. After that, he, like he described himself as a promoter. He's a promoter. He's he, he he wanted people that would say they'd been on a spaceship. Yeah, they were looking at the He, he told this one guy, I don't want a fiction. I don't want a fiction about extraterrestrials. I want you to get up and say at a uh, conference or uh, a lecture hall that you've been on a spaceship and you know what the extraterrestrials look like and what did they say to you. That's the kind of person he was. Moseley,
0: so they started with a, a dancing was a, a,
2: a jokester, and he had he had, he may have had some. Uh, there were times when he did serious work. Like I said, he went around the country in 1953, and he kept a diary, and uh, he gave it to uh, somebody in New Jersey, uh, who I don't recall right offhand. You but, have to uh, find
1: that, had, huh?
2: So these guys were jokesters. So Damsky revealed the letter. He thought
1: that was interesting. That
2: he, his claims yeah, that by the government weren't to le- do so. I mean, like I said, well, like Mosley said, they wrote this letter under the influence of, of alcohol. Nobody else took it serious seriously. Everybody else he sent, they sent one to. They threw him away.
1: Yeah, apparently Marissa this didn't, an apology. Didn't,
2: didn't take it seriously. She knew it was a fake. Damski and his followers argued for years that this thing is true. Wow. And so finally, when came. Barker died, Mosley said, yeah, we did that.
1: January 10th, 1985 is where he admits it. Any historians out there, the saucer smear... Dedicated to the highest principles of ufological journalism, official publication of the Saucer and Unexplained Celestial Events Research Society in Key West, Florida. Supreme Commander James Mosley. <laughs> So this type of stuff lives on through whatever we co-create in the future, but right. only to make sure the names get spelled correctly and the history be written up properly. Do you think the History Channel did a good job, or would you like to go in and make notes? We've got about uh, 30 minutes left. Is the History
0: there
1: anything Channel, you'd no, like they
2: to... didn't do a good job. First all right. of all, well, the some explain. of the cases that, that – Heineck was supposed to be investigating in the History Channel. He didn't even touch. He didn't go into those things. The, 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 the other so thing Prometheus is some of the some, of the some of the some of the things that supposedly were in Blue Book, they weren't in Blue Book. And most of us, most of the uh, cases were, uh, they don't they don't bear any resemblance to the truth. These so guys just made well, up a bunch of Hollywood, uh, Hollywood junk. And well, would you compare the second them with season this, is going to be even worse. Would it's you going compare to be even worse Gray here in the second season. What's would that? you compare?
1: Would you compare them with this Mosley and Gray Barker then?
2: Since yeah, I would. Talking about I, I would. They're even. Uh, uh, they're even worse because uh, I told them I said, look, Heineck had some uh, amazing. Uh, um, adventures while he was uh, working for the Air Force, but you guys and you guys could find it very easily. But you did, decided to make things up, like uh, um, uh, the pilot at uh, in North Dakota. There, um, you, so you you you, you, where are they you turned data? him into a a, a homicidal. Person, I mean, this well, is a, maybe. this is a guy that it served his country, and so that you can get, you think you can get ratings by making him into a some kind of a homicidal uh, person, you uh, dishonor his uh, name, and he um, uh, he gave this uh, testimony about uh, a UFO case that he was involved in. Why is that? Why did you need to do that? Why did you need to soup this thing up? Everybody needs to. Every time uh, TV and and uh, 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 <clears throat> movies get involved with UFOs, they have to soup it up and Hollywood it up, put a put bins on it. Uh, now here's uh, yeah. this is this is what I told these guys. I said, look. Um in nineteen uh in the early fifties uh this pilot for uh Mohawk Airlines had a had a sighting. This is what Heinick did. He told them to go out to report to this building in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, where Heinek was working at And Heinick had had this uh had one of the scientists there Go down and blindfold this guy when he came to the building. They walked him around the building so he didn't wouldn't know where he where he'd been. Put him on an elevator, and then uh, when he came in, uh, came up on the elevator. They took the uh, the blindfold off. Now that's that's an interesting thing that Heineck did. He didn't want want this uh, witness UFO witness to know where he was questioned at he was questioned at
1: the army too and the people i worked with just
2: well that's so you, a, know. you know, that that's I I just, said, now now this is an episode you should have written on this is yeah. something interesting Heineck went down to uh <coughs> to south america uh, with uh with a uh cuban refugee uh scientist uh, from Florida <clears throat> and they went around and, and visited uh witnesses and uh ufologists in 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 South America During one of these visits uh, Heineck was uh uh he was told to get in his taxi and go out to uh talk to these people way out in the country Well uh Kind of um, naively, he did go. Both of these guys went out with the taxi driver, and when they got to their um, supposed destination, they met uh, some some really bad people that were probably going to do Heinek harm. Mm. And the taxi driver came back and saved them. I said, "Now, isn't that an interesting?" Uh, episode yeah. that you could have for your UFO thing about his visit to Central to South America and uh, <clears throat> where he had, uh, if the if the taxi driver hadn't come back, he would be out in the m- middle of nowhere and they probably would have carved him up and uh, threw him in a, a pit somewhere or buried his and nobody would ever know about him again. I said, isn't that an interesting thing you should do? No, they're not interested in that uh I told them about the well, – now, Heineck wasn't involved in this, but the uh, Matador, Texas thing where the uh, 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 grandmother, mother, and uh, granddaughter were involved with a UFO sighting a very uh, early,
0: early, one of the earliest
2: close, close approach cases. Um and I told him i said this is uh this is an important case in the u f o files, but everybody wants to do the Lubbock lights. I said the Lubbock lights is not is it not as interesting as this thing. These people saw this during the daytime. it was huge, and when it left <coughs> it uh it left in a blinding flash of light that was brighter than the sun and uh at a high uh, high rate of speed that they'd never seen anything like this. Now, um, uh, these were women that had been married to uh, Air Force pilots, so they knew what the the latest uh, jets looked like, and they were faster than that. So, and the little girl heard uh, heard a uh, noise that was the the other two. Uh, The grandmother and the mother couldn't couldn't hear you know young young people have better hearing than than older people she 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 recognized the sound and started yelling out mighty mouse mighty mouse who was on the radio at the time used to have a program i said that's a better case than what you've been doing Uh, they already think they know everything so it's it's impossible to to talk to these people Um, so, uh well, it depends on I'm you're not impressed the by that thing at all. I'm not impressed by uh, what's been on the uh, History Channel. Uh well, don't I think
1: you think? At it depends on the One time they did good
2: work, the but they don't do it anymore. What's that?
1: Well, Prometheus Entertainment is who I usually see doing the uh, production. Uh, it, uh, it's on the A and E network, is it not? or History Channel. Let's see, our famous brands. History, but the History Channel Usually you will see that it's produced by Prometheus Entertainment I saw that word in the Earlier books of our collection Here we Yeah, They, they called Parker. me
2: up and asked me opinions on things And I told them that <clears throat> No
1: Well if they're going to do the History And the History Channel wants to know the facts
2: Yeah, that's, that's right And they don't, they just want to do They, do, know uh, the facts? they, they just want to do sensational programs. Entertainment Okay, educational entertainment
1: with a twist rather than just get the facts, (laughs) which I was always told in the court of law, I had to just get the facts, ma'am, just get the facts. You know, they didn't want just get the facts. Affidavit statements, they wanted in writing, third party, you know. All right, then if I carried forensics, I had to have the chain of command. I mean, I couldn't, my work, you got to do your work and you got to make sure that, you know, chain of evidence everything you do, you've got writing for. It's it's amazing work. So you're saying that this project with the History Channel, even though they called you for instructions or advice, well, they would ask you a question, but then if you didn't give them the answer they wanted, they would go to the next person? Or? They, uh,
2: they they ignored everything I said. I, I gave them hints. I gave them uh, ideas. They, they weren't interested. They already had their decisions made.
1: Well, I've seen uh, Nick Pope moved out there from the UK. He's getting a lot of coverage with the History Channel now.
2: Yeah, yeah, but they you know, they're, like I say, they're they're hyping things up. Yeah. It's it's nothing like. Now they covered like the it.
1: Flatwoods Monster. Uh, it, I'm looking now at Project Blue Book. January 21st, but the Flatwoods Monster, which we were just talking about on this series, and this book, and this episode, it says the Flatwood Monster aired on January 15th, 2019. The Lubbock's right. on the did, 22nd,
2: 2019. Now, Heineck was not involved with the Flatwood Monster at all.
1: Foo Fighters, February, see more. All right, so apparently they're going to have a season two. Yes, and, they are. Yeah. Uh, Historically, since you've been called, did you say who all are you calling to get your history straight?
2: I told them that. I told them. I said, "Look, this is, these are this is this is bad stuff." I, that's why I don't like to participate in these kind of things because you know, people will think that I'm uh, I'm advocating for this kind of thing. I did uh, the Smithsonian uh, Channel. I did a okay. I did a uh an interview with them. I did on uh uh Milton Torres's uh sighting in uh, England in nineteen fifty six. I because I I had interviewed Milton Torres um with well, that's Tom important. And, and we had him on uh we had him on tape and everything and he was uh he was very uh cooperative and uh uh he was he was very objective. He didn't say, "Well, I'm sure I saw a, you know, a, uh, an extraterrestrial thing." He said, "I saw something. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what it was." And he said, "So, uh, besides Milton Torres, I did the, uh, uh, the 1952 case uh, at uh, at Kirkland Air Force Base, New Mexico, where." Uh, the pilot had shot at a UFO. Uh, he was chasing the UFO, and it kept playing cat and mouse with him. So he finally just fired on it. And so uh, I, I told the, uh, I told the, and they wanted me to do the uh, version in uh, Rupel's books. And I said, Listen, I know more about this case than what is in. The report on uh, unidentified flying objects. I said, I talked to the intelligence officer that investigated the case at Kirkland and I have uh uh, doctor I have uh, Dr. Thornton Page's notes from the uh, from the uh uh the Robertson panel and the Robertson panel did a, did discuss this case and paged and made notes. And uh, I said, This is the only other, s- the really, the only other source that we have for the Robertson panel besides the uh, memo that. Uh, uh Frederick Grant made up about the uh, Robertson panel but I said the uh, uh page, page made extensive notes about the uh Percoling Air Force Base and the pilot firing on the u f o so i said i have more i have more uh, information than just one book and uh 'Cause they were challenging me on what I was saying because everything that's in Ruppelt is uh I had more information. They said, Where'd you get this information? They said, This is the only source and I said, No, you're wrong. I said, I I have Thornton Page's notes and I, I uh I interviewed the intelligence officer at Kirkland Air Force Base. So I know more about this case than just what's in uh, report on unidentified flying objects. Uh, so and they didn't I, want to
1: use it.
2: They used it. They used it. Ah. Of course they, of course they. They had somebody come on and afterwards and debunk the case after I was on there. That's the way they always do it. Listen, if, uh, they feel like you know. I I feel like when I'm doing these, um, if I do a program for some of these people. I feel like it's cowboys and indians. <laughs> so, here's what I do. here's what you do. You say what uh first of all, you're you get the first shot at it. You get to talk about the case and everything. Then they have okay. somebody come on as, as an expert to to knock you down. You don't get to answer.
1: Uh, you got get I, to get rebutt- to after after you
2: after you've done your presentation, they go and ask this other guy and he, you know, they put his presentation afterwards, which says that all everything that was just said, uh, we told you was uh, uh, trash and junk, and that's <laughs> the way they. Uh, that's the way most of these UFO programs work.
1: Well, it used to be we got two sides and then the truth, and you can formulate your own perception yeah, with but your but own filters. but you
2: don't. Filters. You don't get that anymore. You get a the. Uh, somebody that hasn't even ever uh, apparently looked at the case
1: ah that's uh, not
2: good and
1: uh that's like when you go to a doctor it's better before you get your you know your appendix out to have two if you if you're not in trouble that much or anything your heart worked on or, is to get another doctor's uh, opinion right get two opinions at least right, before right, you go right. get so, stuff cut off
2: or the, the thing that i've noticed with these uh, like the smithsonian They, uh, you know, they got my thing, and they ran it straight. And then they had somebody come on afterwards and, you know, then completely tear it apart. So
1: that's... You
2: know, and then I didn't get to answer. I didn't get to say, well, this guy's argument is incorrect because he doesn't know about the case at all. He's just telling you... um, Incomplete. He's giving you incomplete information about the case, and I, I didn't get to do that. You don't get I to see. answer it. It's, that's um,
1: an interesting point that people should keep in mind too when they're right. listening. That's, that's
2: why I don't like to go on these programs.
1: Well, the In fact, is... what I
2: did, what what I did with the Smithsonian, I said, "Listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're gonna take have the benefit of my research, and." Uh, I said I expect to get paid for this. Usually that's it. The people go away then, right after that, uh. after you tell them you want <laughs> some money. They're gone. So that's a good way to get rid of them. These guys were they kept they kept pushing me and I said, "You know, you know what you're going I know what you're going to do. I know you're going to have somebody come on after I've been on the program." I said, "I know what you're going to do." It's exactly it's been done so many times to people. You're going to have come, somebody come on and say, despite what this guy said, here's the real truth, and that's exactly what they did. <clears throat> I said, okay, if I'm going to go on a show like that, I expect to get money for it. So that's, <laughs> and <clears throat> as I said before, most of the time they want they want their research for free. They want you to tell them, or, or if you appear on there, they they just want to uh, want you on there for free. So I said, well, "No, nah, that's what I'm not going to do anymore." So if you mention that you want money, that they're out of town.
1: <laughs> so they use all these people that. Like to be on television and help them. I wonder if they pay Nick Pope on the History Channel.
2: I am sure. Their... I am sure he's in the Actors Guild, like uh, um, Stan Freeman was. Stan Freeman was in the Actors Guild. He had to get at least two thousand dollars in appearance. Really? Really.
1: That must have been. He told. Well, okay. Well, he was willing to do a conference with me for nothing, as long as we paid for his hotel and meals and give him a table. Yeah,
2: that's a conference. <laughs> that's not a television show.
1: But he was smart enough to be in the Screen Actors Guild of America. And that right, was right. You have to pay okay. dues
2: and things like that, though. So. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, not everybody. Yeah, but I, I mean,
2: he appeared on enough programs and things, so it made it worth his while. Yeah.
1: Well, it, uh, it's pretty expensive. Uh, the national fee is 3000 right now. Annual base dues is but dollars But it's amazing, Screen Actors Guild. But now they've got the uh, SAG and AFTRA. They made it SEG-AFTRA, oh, Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. They pulled it together in 2012, so that's sort of nice. But it's affiliated with the AFL-CIO, International Federation of Journalists as well. So it all works together, I guess. But yeah, it'd be nice to get paid if you're Done all this and pull it together, and but at the same time, you and I are the old guys now. We're trying to pull together something to historically say we're doing some oral reports before we forget it. I know what should be talked about. And uh, how did did you ever tell us? Uh, let's see, we've only got about ten minutes left. But have you anything of the Bill Moore case? Were you pro or con? Because I just happened to well, pull that a was there. Bill Moore, Of all of people,
2: game. of all people, that was that was Bender was involved in that, and APRO uh-huh. was involved in that, and. Uh, what was that uh,
1: about with the aviary and Bill Moore? Was any of that true?
2: Bill oh, Moore well, said he was for the government. I, I thought you said the billboard case. Oh, well, I'm. Oh, you we, the billboard
1: uh, case? Maybe
2: we should no, talk no. about that. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay uh save
1: that for next week then
2: but Bill right, Moore no, uh, just- Bill Moore uh, uh well you know Bill Moore went to a uh, move uh Move on conference in Las Vegas he got he got up and said well I have been a uh, an unpaid dif- disinformation agent for the uh, for the government uh, so then everything he said is, uh, then suspect, I would say, but, uh, I don't believe that he's a, dis- he's an unpaid government agent. I believe that he was, uh, uh, like I said about the MJ-12 before, uh, I think that, uh, Bill Moore was in the middle of that. I think he, uh, he maybe didn't hatch the, uh, idea of MJ-12, but, uh he sure promoted it and sure. uh, uh he got he got uh he got bob pratt to write a novel uh about m j twelve and that was going to be the basis i guess of a movie and uh then we got uh years of promotion. You know, he'd make a new discovery. Here's a new discovery about MJ-12. And here's... We're finding more out all the time. You know, uh, we're sort of getting that now. And the latest thing is, you know, uh, uh, it goes on and on and on. They tease you and tease you and tease you. And you... uh, the problem that happened with Moore is um, uh, uh, Timothy Moore Good, Timothy Good uh, went ahead and uh, and scooped Bill Moore. Now, I don't see why he stopped with his MJ-12 activity, uh, even if uh, Timothy Good had scooped him. He could still go on with it, but he it just came crashing down for him and then he went to the Las Vegas and said, "I'm an unpaid government agent uh, which I don't believe he's an unpaid government agent. I believe he was doing that to uh make money and that's uh that's uh, uh that and i I don't believe that uh, many of the things that he was involved with in were uh uh, were true
1: says both Doty and Collins deny any involvement in the N- MJ-12 affair however Linda Howe has issued a sworn affidavit agreeing to the course of her meeting with Richard Falcon I guess that was his codename F-A-L-C-O-N Falcon Doty at KAFB in 1983 thus right. far Doty has not issued a sworn affidavit are agreed to testify under penalty of perjury to reinforce his denial that the events of his meeting with Howe occurred as she has described them. Hmm, right. let's see where this is. Falcon and Condor have been identified. So Dodie, well, who was Condor? Let's see, Bob Collins, let's see Rich and Bob Collins, to see whether those activities. Who was Condor? So let's begin oh,
2: with yeah. Dodie. Everybody had a name. John Alexander had a name. Uh, uh, a bird, uh, um, uh, head had a bird. There, there, there were dozens of them.
1: And they weren't trying to hoax people, or you think they were? Their credibility. I think some of them were it.
2: hoaxing people. I think some of them were involved in the in the whole business. And uh, I think there were some of them were involved from the very beginning.
0: Uh, well, Bruce, I, Bruce I would say, uh, uh,
2: from what I know about uh, Bill Pratt's novel, it was supposed to be uh, a uh, like an autobiographical thing about Doty. I mean, there was a special agent that was the hero of the book. And that was the basis that Moore wrote his uh, produced his uh, MJ-12 material from.
0: Well, it says uh, it was,
1: uh, Enclosure H is exposed, written by Bob Pratt, published January 84, issue of the Mufon Journal, describing his investigation of the this hoax. Now, uh, it says, I'm reading something here that says sacredtext.com, I don't know if that if we should use that or not. It says the MJ Affair Facts Questions and Comments Literary Freeware Foundation. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, I've like, heard of them. It, <laughs> are they factual? or are they I, I think
2: I think what you have there is a pretty uh, actually a pretty close to the truth uh, um, commentary on what happened. I think it's I, hard I, to I, read. Yeah, I'm I think it's, at, it's, a uh, good, uh, it's a pretty good. Um,
1: who is Hastings? Robert Hastings.
2: Robert Hastings was uh, he's um, UFO, UFOs and nukes. He wrote a book called UFOs and UFO and and nukes. He's he's interested in uh, UFOs around nuclear uh, installations. So he wrote a uh, a book, and he also had a uh, <clears throat> a documentary that he made about, uh, UFOs and nukes. Uh, he's interviewed, uh, uh I'd say close to a hundred, uh, people that have, uh, worked or investigated, uh, uh, uh sightings that involve nuclear facilities. So he's a,
1: I see.
2: he's a pretty knowledgeable guy. Um, uh, he was uh, with, uh, when uh, uh, Randall and uh, Schmidt were doing their work, he was involved in that. They used to uh, use him as a sounding board. When they talked to witnesses, he would... Uh, uh, he would well, he uh,
1: CCs your friend, Barry Greenwood, on this. He's, yeah. Barry's listed as a CC. Now... I don't see Jan on here. Jan Aldrich is a CC, and well, if not, either. why not? Linda Howell, think. Bud Hopkins, Richard Hall. Uh, Bear, so they know Barry Greenwood. It must be he, Bud Hopkins, Richard Hall. Let me see when this was written. It says he could be reached at 6200 U-Book Boulevard, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and a phone number. Let me see if there's a date on this, but it's under the source sacred-text, just so you know. You may want to put a copy of this in your files, but it's black on green. Sacred Text, Esoteric Occult Mysteries, uh, the M J 12 of Fairfax
2: questions, comments.
1: Dang it. Oh, there it is, March 1st, 1989. So
2: okay, this is- so I was overseas that I wasn't I wasn't working on anything like that. I really okay. don't want to get into. <clears throat> Stuff I mean, jerry has been working on that for for years, and he spent okay. a lot of time. And it it's a it's a uh, it's a false trail, and it. Uh, uh, I'd like it, to know it, why it I got involved. Takes, I, I'd like to know why
1: trip. I was directed on this case. I want to know why. So maybe I should have Barry. Call me or get Barry. Well, I'd like to Barry, know more about Barry. Barry has,
2: I mean, he has he has uh, tons of documents on the case. It's and uh, it was like I was going to say, it keeps you off regular research.
1: Is that what it, it does? Okay. Yeah,
2: it's like a a red herring. It just. Oh, Okay. And so, uh, you know, people. Well, I was keep, on
1: the case so I want to find out why there's a lot of red herrings out there so I think my job was to get at the bottom between the misinformation disinformation and information because I was trained in propaganda but also business intelligence and security so I don't know I don't know my part I just hope I'm doing the fact finding properly all I want is to get the facts (laughs) ma'am that's my job just to be the best journalist investigative reporter Get the facts, ma'am. Now, remember, Dr. Bruce McAbee was the one that threw me a a lifeline with you for our ACO, which he helped me start years ago. But he said, you know, T.J., he can't do much right now. But I did get to see him on television. I don't remember which one recently. So I hope Dr. McAbee and Jan are doing great, the other Jan, Jan McAbee. But he met her, and they moved on at at a conference, I believe. That's what he said in his history. I've had him on two or three times and we it's funny, I start wanting to find out stuff he may know and uh he's a good interviewer. He gets interviewing me and it's really a interesting interesting time. Well, Jan, we've reached our time here, so I guess we'll keep going next next book, episode eight. Who knows where we'll go, folks? We're sort of learning a lot of things that's in Jan's head and whatever comes up, comes up. It's uh, trying to keep it amusing but keeping it real here folks so Jan Aldrich we appreciate all your time and energy and collections and where we're going with this we hope that uh, everybody's going to help each other find out who's got what and I don't know if it's going to be open source or in books yet or what I think it's a little bit of everything just depends on who wants it any last words Jan for our listeners
2: uh, yeah this uh uh, where can i
1: get in contact with you
2: well uh, you can always uh email me at uh, project one nine forty seven at earthlink.net, um, uh earthlink dot net eight six zero uh I'm on Facebook, uh and Project nineteen forty seven is on Facebook also and uh Project nineteen forty seven is on the uh, uh web. The website is www.project.1947.com dot project dot nineteen forty seven dot com.
1: Well thank you. I find this all very curious and uh, coincidental that I was brought up with the name Jan and Jan Maccabee are Jan as we were pointed out with one guy last time and uh, I was called Jeanette but I was brought up being called Jan and then I, I heard about it far that say Jan. and then there's uh, Janet Airlines and there's Jan Harzan for Mutual UFO Director and Janet Lesson doing the Anunnaki stories with her husband over in Hawaii and My Ascension Center There's a whole bunch going on with different levels and different words and working with ufology and epistemology and phenomenology and we've added alienology and not to mention cryptozoology and X-Files with the men in black so stay with us and uh, we're. I had no idea there was so much history out there that we don't even know about and I'm learning a lot from Jan so thank you Jan bringing up names that we can go look at Barker and whether it was pro or con Mosley or whatever it's still an interesting read <laughs> for those that collect comic books or magazines or Fate Magazine, or whoever else out there, we can let you know about Ace Folk Life, American Communications Online. Well, thank you, Jan, for helping us establish our UFO press, because we've got the UFO Association, but it's been mostly word of mouth people that are, we're in an unincorporated association for all you federal government people out there. We're really not collecting any money right now, but uh, we know we always can enjoy a, any kind of subscription help out there? So we're hopefully going to build things, but check in on project1947.com, isn't it? .com or .org, Jan. Yeah,
2: you know, it's it dot .com because we used to we used to sell some books on there, so <clears throat> it was commercial. <laughs> All right,
1: Jan Aldrich, and he's he's helping me out over here and representing the UFO business pretty darn good. Uh, and weekly we're just calling it a book, it's oral Report and this was episode 7 so look forward to next uh, week we hope we're not boring you to death with facts but we're about getting the facts down on paper folks And you know, we try to be a little humorous here and there I guess, but we're not jokesters we're just get the facts <laughs> alright, thank you Jen, I look forward to your next week and you can find us on iTunes uh, iHeart, Spreaker, Stitcher Oh, gosh, so many FM radio, Blueberry, all the big pod, wherever you get your podcast, I pay extra money for distribution where I have to and SoundCloud and all those. So I'm Teresa J. Morris with Jan Aldrich, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you, Jan. Appreciate it. Thank okay, you. doing a great bye job. Now. Bye now. Thank you.